Coming at you from Handsome Headquarters here in sunny Los Angeles, California. I'm Lee Sanger-Golden, and you're listening to me talk on the internet. I'm joined remotely by my illustrious colleague and co-host, Ben. How you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. A little scratchy throat today, but uh, doing all right. Oh, okay. You're not one of those people that like re-got the coronavirus, though? No. If okay, I did, good. it would be like, what did I, it was there nuclear fallout and it somehow got like attached on some uh, uranium molecule. No, mm. there's no way I have it. Oh, okay. Good. Well, <clears throat> I'm just dehydrated. All right. You make your tea and get ready to go. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we'll just, uh, we'll just get it going here. Let, you know, did you watch the uh, debate last night? The final debate between these presidential candidates, the Donald <clears throat> and uh, Joe. I did not. I was on a chain with some friends watching it, so I got a lot of play-by-play. Mm. Mm, but okay. I've been focusing more on uh, other, still election-related stuff, but what happens yeah. on November 4th and onward. Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, I think Biden lost Texas last night just by, I mean, it was already, he was probably, it was already like, pretty you know it, it it was a long shot that he was gonna win texas this year a fucking long shot if there was gonna be a year it might be uh, a year like this but it was a long shot and he basically said we, i want to phase out the uh oil industry in favor of more more renewable forms of of energy and he made a, like a he pretty much like covered all the points like whomever like fucking trained him up he was pretty in terms of an old guy like that biden was like pretty trained up on like a lot of good policy honestly i mean or decent policy better policy than we saw in the obama administration better policy definitely than we're seeing in the trump administration there were some good policy proposals from from uh joe and you know the most stinging thing that trump said though because all of his factual stuff was a total lie. Everything, pretty much everything he said about Joe and his, what he, his platform is and what he represents and all that was totally false. But the one true thing, and if anything wins in the election, it'll be this statement. The one true thing that the Donald said in last night's debate was, you're the reason I ran, Joe. You've been there for decades. And you, you, you say you got to do all these things, but you, but you were there for eight years, not that long ago. You're the reason I ran, Joe. And that is pretty stinging, honestly. It, in a debate, however, where Joe just peppered him with machine gun fire, he said, you got a dog whistle the size of a foghorn. <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> he called him up for being a Nazi. <laughs> Trump was like, no one has treated the blacks as good as me since... Well, frankly, Lincoln. Maybe I'm even better than Lincoln. And then at some point, uh, Joe's like, all right, Lincoln. <laughs> and they were like, he's like, what's that about? And he's like, you compared yourself to Lincoln. And then he's like, no, I said. And then he goes back right into the whole, this ridiculous statement about being like or close to Abraham Lincoln. And wow. in some ways I would say yes, because um, Abraham Lincoln was a guy who was in favor of popular policy to hold the union together, even if that meant, you know, going after slavery, which was the most um, grievous hot button issue. But he himself was not a true believer. He was doing that for political reasons. 
he did not even necessarily um we've seen from his accounts or whatever things that he had uh, uh been documented to have said that uh he did not necessarily view people of other color as the same you know station in life the same you know uh, uh level of being you know didn't quite accept and accept other people so mm-hmm. uh yeah maybe trump is like that where he's like there's not a racist bone in my body you know in the way that he's like i like i like black people the great the great black people of america you know he's he thinks he's not racist because he's like i love everybody but it's different than that like you don't love everybody but then disproportionately kick black people out of your building you know because his legacy of racism goes back decades and joe mm-hmm. did a good job of pointing that out last night and then there was there was bickering about um about each other's shady business and it's like yeah you guys are both rich guys but kind of lame ones and you're just throwing shit at you and trump is clearly the more corrupt one of them and joe just keeps being like hey he kind of looks at the audience he's like hey come on even if what he's saying is true think of all the shit that he and his kids are doing like and he called him out for his golf courses and stuff he called out for a public option you know he said that we need to uh, aggressive that that the climate change is an existential threat uh, there was a lot of Bernie talking points uh, thrown in there because, and I think the people have done, the volunteers have done a way better job of just getting behind this candidate. Because I think that a lot of the young leaders and organizers, even if, even if we don't win this year, um, I think that they're, <laughs> they're seeing like that it's more than working for a particular candidate, that it's working for whatever the platform is. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's almost and nice right now that the Democratic Party doesn't really have anyone who is crazily ideological in any way or has any sort of cult of personality either for or against. And that was the thing about about Mrs. Clinton, Hillary, is that she had a cult of personality in both ways. She had a cult of personality that hate that that hated her and viewed her as a villain and imbued all their sexism in there to make it happen. And then she had a cult of personality on the other side, which was, you know, a lot of women uh, uh, respected her and looked up to her. <clears throat> and a lot of young women uh, came of age while she was, she was uh, uh, in action, either as first lady or um, in the Senate or whatever. So there was a cult of personality both ways. Uh, <laughs> and Joe doesn't really have that. What you're seeing right now is people just reporting a lot of stories about Joe that are just like, he reached out to me in a tough time. Like there's a picture of him, like hugging a, uh, uh, someone who was, who survived a victim of, um, the, uh, um, Parkland shooting, you know, and it was a, a, a young man that appeared to be afflicted with down syndrome or, you know, something like that. And he came up and hugged Joe and Joe just like hugged and grabbed him, you know, and gave him a nice big hug. And like all of that stuff that like Joe's a pervert, blah, 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 blah. it's funny how the mainstream media like has totally, they don't run any of that. And Joe is, is benefiting from the chillest. And this is like a right wing talking point, I'm sure, but very chill coverage, like the, the times and mm-hmm. this, and the, and the, and, the, and in the post are kind of USA Today wrote him an endorsement for crying out loud. You know, Wall Street Journal has its own like little silent 
silent revolution saying like he's gonna get rid of oil <laughs> the wall street journal what a petty little queen i fucking hate that paper <laughs> oh my god no i totally and i yeah, hate Bloomberg. I think a lot of well because they see the progress they see it, it's like if they're gonna have at least being able to push the needle it's with his administration but one of the most insightful things i read was from an organizer who's been around for decades. And she's like, there's yeah. a difference between mobilizing and organizing. Mobilizing is getting people that are already agreeing with you to go do something. Right. So he's certainly mobilizing, but from what I've seen and heard, Biden's campaign strategy is much like Clinton's, which is not focused on giving the resources to people who would organize um, and do the the hard conversations with people who are, out there that the democratic party who maybe they were part of it and and they left because of union busting this that or the other thing and actually organize and get people to first just go vote but then also what happened starting november 4th because that's going to be in my mind that's the biggest risk not what happens on november 3rd but what what strata is 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 are they going to take the gore strategy are they going to actually no. try to I, I think organize that the mass protests uh, uh mass protests will will definitely happen well but um, i'm saying they'll happen but will they but if they're not full faith and backing of the dnc and biden yeah. admin, um, so you thing, talk about it the has a totally different um effect yeah on the I election mean, outcome yes and Here's the thing. You talk about an authoritarian attempt and an authoritarian breakthrough. So this is, we're seeing sort of an authoritarian attempt and some, and some branches of government seem to be willing to sort of go along with it. You know, Los Federales and uh, this guy, this nepotist guy who's in charge of the uh, uh, postal service, mm. you know, and this skeleton crew government that Trump <clears throat> is running it's such a scheme, you know, everyone's like, I thought he was going to be doing deals. Of course he's doing deals with himself and he, for himself, he's been doing deals for himself. And, um, he's been running this skeleton ship, skeleton crew administration that, so there's no one there. And it seems like in a scene in a movie when they're like escaping the base or they're, um, leaving the embassy and they're burning all their files. It's like this is the end of the Republican political project of basically just completely dismantling the federal government's ability to do anything. It's just these pirates burning the documents and running out with their plunder because that's what it seems like. You know, who knows how many backroom deals? Why was there such a huge bump in stocks? And people say, oh, it's based on what the president says. No, of course not. It's because of insider trading back channels that have to exist. Well, it's also just look at just where all the new money creation, where it all went. I mean, even starting 2008, but even now there's tens of trillions of new money that went to support these things. So, And and so it's not, they're not getting rid of, they're just having the federal government work for a smaller and smaller group of people, basically. I mean, he's in love with Putin. They want to, they just want to turn us into like a kleptocratic Mm -hmm. Russia type thing, which doesn't mean, and so, and the thing is like whether Trump wants it or not, it's, the tens of thousands yeah. of other people that have to go along with it. And that's mm-hmm. why. Well, Putin so is a highly effective say, individual. 
He's a oh, highly yeah, there's effective There's always a that cult of Perth, but you still need a lot of people that are doing like who like file like doing a lot of the things that are required to have the breakthrough, which requires through the court system, protests out on the streets, yeah. um, the electors, uh, election committees, commissions. Mm-hmm. So there's, and they're all at the state or even smaller precinct level. So you need, so when we say Trump, sometimes it, in my mind, it kind of obscures what's really going on because it's the whole apparatus. It's anyone that wants to see him stay in power because of what yes. he allows and stands for. And so that's the real, and so that's what I'm He stands for money. Of. He stands for well, yeah. money and financial success. That's what, <clears throat> we know what he stands for, his actions. Well, I mean the power distribution too and the values, who's who, yeah. those things. And because by keeping him in power, it keeps, it keeps certain structures that a, minor, a minority of people want, but a large enough that it could affect change, especially if the other side doesn't tries to play it through what they think of as the more decorous channels, which is just all legal. But if you have one person not playing by the rules of the law, then it's a worthless strategy because you're not going to get anywhere. So I just really hope that everyone around Biden and the DNC learns something from 2000, because it's going to be a scary situation if the only protests are led by grassroots groups and otherwise and that they are still just trying to work things out through mm-hmm. the courts because that's just not going to work. And not well, to you, say that the other protests will work either. Those could also fail. They failed at least half the time in other countries around the mm-hmm. world. A revolutionary like just, attempt and a revolutionary right. breakthrough. Those get this batted is what down we never talk all about. the time. So we don't never know if it's going to work. But, I mean, fuck, we got to try. I mean, I mean I was going to be in Arizona. If, if Trump clearly wins it and it seems fair and square or by a margin – that uh, looks like even the dirty tricks didn't really affect it. It really is the will of the electorate as per the electoral college, which I think is bullshit, but whatever. Um, Then I think there will still be some degree of protest, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be the leaf blower dad, bike helmet, mom protests. There's going to be the core base of revolutionaries. And then if it seems if it seems like almost a tie or it's it's up in the air, it's egregious, those people go out. And then also others will go out who are more of the uh, leaf blower dad, bike helmet mom army of folks. So if it looks like the election was shady and it goes to Trump, um, yeah, I think there will be more. And if it looks just like a crazy straight, like if it's some kind of thing where like, they send in federal agents to to post offices and it's caught like on fucking TikTok. There's just video of federales like taking ballots. Then yes, there may be a revolutionary attempt. The problem is the people who are prepared for the revolutionary attempt are the other people. And those people are so much further away from the other side of the, the sort of willing to revolt folks um when actually what they're both worried about at least the ones that are the non-racist ones which is probably a very slim (laughs) part of it let's admit um but they both are against tyranny right the only difference is the way that black lives matter fights tyranny is to go to the streets and peacefully uh represent um what they believe 
And then there's all this mm-hmm. crazy rioting that's unrelated. <clears throat> and the uh, other folks who are crazy against tyranny, these more white nationalist guys, their solution is to go and kidnap and put on trial, possibly torture and execute the duly elected um, governor of a United State. And the president says nothing. Well, they're just taking in the footsteps of this entire country's history. Yeah. Crushed out any and all minority or opposition mm-hmm. for 400 years and have done it by some, it was, it was a great, what was I reading? Oh, this great novel, but they they were talking about, I mean, it's partly biographical. She was saying in school, how the, the teacher was a bit of a radical, which was cool. She liked, but that quoting someone, an indigenous person saying, you have a very smooth language to be able to make, to be able to use words to make something that's wrong sound right and something that's right sound wrong. Mm. So we, you know, we just spin anything, everything we've done that's terrible. It was great. It was amazing. Look what we accomplished. Manifest destiny. Yeah. Or industrial, the industrial of look at these amazing things we've done. But someone else would be like, uh, our people have been around for thousands of years. We didn't just, potentially destroy the planet so it doesn't seem like what you've done is that great no it's not we've got our stupid little phones and video chats but i'd rather not have them and but you know or let's build shit and make it a wpa style shit do this goddamn infrastructure i want the federal theater project back Oh, that would be, yeah, but let's do it focused on the non-extractive. We don't have to cement the fucking 51 miles of the LA river. (laughs) We could have done that in another plan that was already all drawn up. That would have been all just using natural berms and swales. It would have looked very pretty. I call it Fury Fury Road. What? The LA river, like bike Uh, trail. There's, cause you, like I go up there and then, you know, you ride your bike or you go for a walk, you know, um, and you know, people will be more casual bike riders going to and from places, whereas others will be, you know, all geared up. Mm-hmm. But there's less of the geared up um, contingent along the L.A. River where we are. But you do see horses and little motorbikes, you know, like those. Oh, wow. It's not quite like a motorcycle. Yeah, it's like a little smaller than like a dirt bike. But it's a gasoline uh, combustion vehicle (laughs) and then and then you see people just riding horse the horses aren't up on the main top area and um yeah dude it's just fucking fury road it's crazy hey let me ask you if you could add one staff position to the u.s government who would it be it would be the position of agent 007 and i would give it agent and i'd give it to myself no i'm just kidding but you know i've actually been um uh, I'm working on this uh, comic book project with a very talented young artist. And we're working on this spy story that I did as a play years ago and wrote as a book, but decide uh, we decided to uh, 
turned into a comic. And it's very much influenced by the uh, uh, spy movies and politics of the 1960s. So I've been going back and rewatching all of the Bonds for the first time in the Trump era. And like, I've, I've watched, you know, Bond movies different times during the Trump era, but I haven't gone through and just like done a retrospective in a while. And um, so this is the first, the first time I've gone through uh, in our current world. And I realized, you know, everyone, myself included, has done so much analysis of how um, the racism and sexism and misogyny and all the horrible aspects of um, James Bond are such a relic that doesn't belong in our time. And they've been ragging on Bond on that since GoldenEye, since, well, I guess that was 25 years ago. They've been bagging on Bond for this. But, and that's fine. Bond deserves it. He's a racist, sexist, drunk asshole. And it's been kind of part of the interesting fun of, in the past 25 years, seeing Bond kind of navigate this current world. Um, but now that I've analyzed all that, I'm seeing this other layer in this time of Bond as government employee. Mm -hmm. And they go into this a little bit in the last picture, Spectre. Um, that the bad guy at one part calls Bond an employee because like the bad guy is the head of this new spy organization or whatever. But, and this is another reason why I'm going through, it's just because I am pissed because we were supposed to have a new Bond movie, well, back in April, No Time to Die, but then they moved it to November, which is cool. That's usually when Bond pictures come out anyway. And then they delayed another fucking until April. So we have to wait a whole full year. I'm it's sorry. so annoying. And I, so anyway, so I've been going back doing this retrospective, whatever. Bond is government employee. So I got to um, Thunderball, which is number four, the one right after Goldfinger. So... Uh, and this is the one I would say before the series goes completely bonkers, before they literally go to outer space in the next picture, Thunderball. And it's actually, I think, adjusted for inflation, still the one that made the most money because it was 1965, right in the middle of 60s spy mania. There was like all of these different shows and movies that were trying to be like James Bond, but James Bond was the best. And this movie was like super expensive and made tons of money. And like half of it takes place underwater. And there's these huge, beautiful sets and all this crazy stuff. It doesn't necessarily make it the best Bond movie. In some ways, it kind of drags it down and makes it too long. But it is a beautiful, amazing spectacle and a worthy entry in the kind of classic um, first few Bond pictures. Um, and sometimes they even kind of rank it above Goldfinger. Sometimes I'm like, I kind of, even though Goldfinger is more fun in a lot of ways and a tighter, better picture, like Thunderball is classier because it's mm -hmm. the original director, Terrence Young, who directed the first two Bond pictures, Dr. No and From Worship With Love. And he skipped out on Goldfinger. And Goldfinger is kind of when it changed in some ways towards good stuff, but in a lot of ways towards other crazy, trying to be funny things. Um, but anyway, Thunderball was the last one before it really went into that. And there's all of these, um, scenes about like NATO and, and Bond has to go to a meeting with the other double O guys <laughs> and he's late and M's like, now that we're all here, you know, and it's all these old British guys and they're looking at maps and it's, you really see like, oh, Bond's like a government employee. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and he's, but, but he's always off like, you know, getting tail and drinking and winning at poker or whatever, but he is ostensibly a government employee. And it, this was also the first movie where it was like the bad guys just hijack nuclear warheads and hold the world ransom. Cause the, that thing that's like the trope of so many movies, this is the first one that did it. So it kind of invented the modern techno thriller as they, they would say. Um, but anyway, so you'd add this position. I would add, yes, because, okay, so the government has, they are all, they have their, they have all of these clues, but uh, Bond through happenstance finds a specific clue that makes him realize that he should follow another lead down to the Bahamas. Conveniently, the lead involves like a hot chick and going to the fucking Bahamas, one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Um, so it's very convenient that he's the one that notices the, the clue because of something else. And it's very convenient because it's where like the hot girl and the cool uh, location is. But he goes up to his boss and he's basically like, no, you guys got it all wrong. I think I should follow this lead. And um, M, his boss is like, if Bond says that it's worth it, I'm going to trust Bond. And he sends Bond down to uh, the Bahamas. And Bond teams up with um, teams up with Felix Leiter, who's his American counterpart. So we get a little CIA action up in Thunderball. And um, because this government employee is just trusted to go out and do his fucking job, he saves the world from being uh, held for ransom or being bombed or whatever from from this evil specter organization. <laughs> And now Bond always goes rogue. Every single Bond movie, it seems like, oh, he's going rogue. The first Casino Royale, there's a part where he goes rogue. Quantum Solace, he goes rogue at a certain point. Skyfall, at the end, he goes rogue. And then Spectre, at the way end, they go, he goes rogue as two. And in Die Another Day, he was rogue for a while. And in License to Kill, he's rogue. He's rogue, 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 rogue. So much but of the modern a, Bond era is him going he, fucking rogue. But he does accomplish his mission, though. In exactly. All because he has to go rogue. That's what I'm pointing out. I always thought it was annoying. But I don't even really like the going rogue ones necessarily as much as I like the ones where he goes in and gets his fucking mission and does it. They trust him to fucking do it. But nowadays, what we're seeing is they don't trust Bond to do it. And yeah, Bond is a gross character. But let's, let's not look at it from the lens of his gross personalness. Let's just look at like, the role that he plays. Someone who... Uh, knows what's best is on the ground and is trusted to just fucking do it. So you don't think we have any of those people in the U S government right now? Is that what the entire CIA field ops is? Well, well, (laughs) (laughs) I think, yes, we do have secret agents out there. That is for damn sure. But I'm not saying literally like, like a 007 like goes down to the Bahamas and fucks his way into some nuclear weapons. I'm talking about someone who would just be the doer. Like Donald Trump, if he really wants to build a wall, like what he should have done is assign somebody to be the foreman of that project. He's so dumb. Like see, she should have picked somebody, I don't know, some, some idiot. Make it Kid Rock. He said, I'm making Kid Rock. Bow it to bow to bang the big bitty. 
he is going to be in charge of building the wall. And then they would, um, Mack Truck or whatever, John Deere, all of these companies would give a bunch of um, <laughs> product and you would have Kid Rock and he'd be wearing a, a, a little helmet, the <laughs> you know, hard hat helmet. But yeah, the, the, the construction workers, it's a hard hat. Like, oh, you mean a helmet? <laughs> yeah, but it's a hat. It's hard. Anyway, um, construction workers actually make, some, make things. So, mm-hmm. but, Fuck me. But anyway, um, they would have had a foreman and they would have cut back to him every day. Like every day he would be like, by the way, Kid Rock working on the wall. And it's a beautiful wall. And they would always just have Kid Rock working on the same portion of the wall. But... Um, then at the end, um, every day he could be like, well, we, you know, we tried, but the Democrats always fucked this up. Then if they're really smart, they would just pull a false flag and just fucking blow up whatever piece of shit part of the wall they've done and then turn the wall into some like wailing wall of the crazy American uh, Christmasanity. It's not even Christianity. It's just Christmasianity. <laughs> Like so you kind of, mean an employee that d- reports directly, but that actually does things. So not correct. the person that then also orchestrates other people, but they're Here's actually- Here's a good example. Yeah, it's like we're having workers on a board. Here, here's, here's what it is. The guy or gal, she throws on Kevlar in a helmet, okay? And she goes into a disputed zone in the Holy Land, let's call it that, where there are- young Palestinians throwing rocks and IDF soldiers uh, possibly shooting back. And we don't need to necessarily get into the politics of whose fault is what, but she would walk into this disgusting mosh pit and just stand in the middle and be like, Hey, hello, stop it. Stop it. How loud is her voice in this scenario? That she's so on a megaphone. She's on a megaphone. Oh. And if that woman gets shot or rocked on at her <laughs> or shot with rubber bullets or whatever, come on, man. People will rally behind that person. And they don't have to be political. I think that's what the UN or whatever tried to be. But yeah. everything can get because politics is kind of can be a catch all. It can be not politics to one person, but politics to another because of power dynamics in history. So what we're calling apolitical or non-political, someone else could say, well, why are you putting resources to something that I don't give two fucks about? Then it comes. It does, then it it's not political. any resources. It's just some Kevlar. It and, is. And a, it takes time, flight, energy. It's still resources. Flight. It gets focus. All I'm saying is what's not political to one person can be political to someone else and then becomes political. Well, yeah. I mean, everything's political, of course, to somebody. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. Unless we go up and be ice fishers in northern Canada, which I'm trying to – I just can't get – I can't convince my wife. She doesn't want to leave L.A. I'm like, we could go live and be ice fishers. I mean, I don't know the first thing about it. We might die within a few weeks, but we could try. That's certainly non-political. If I go and just – live up there you know being an ice fisher but then where's the mayo where's the dill where's the yeah mustard, i'd rather be i'd rather be ra- <clears throat> in terms of that i'd rather just raise be in a place where i'm raising chickens oh, i hate nice. i hate birds and i love tasty chicken 
I, I don't think I could hunt a mammal. Like, I don't want to shoot like a deer, or a cute little fox, or some shit like that. I'm not into that. Well, you join a band but of birds people are our natural just... enemies. <laughs> but you don't have to necessarily shoot it. There's, we know with hu- humans, we can set up. There's different ways of catching that big beast. One is just to outrun it with different groups of people. You run it to death. Yeah, but so I you could be part of the running crew. I don't want to have to deal with fifty people. I don't even want to have to deal with like three people. That's what you just. So you don't live by yourself. Just bring a gun, because I'm your presidential doer. I'm done. What happens when you run out of bullets? Who's making the bullets? There's a whole system behind those bullets. God didn't give us Smith and Wesson. I don't know whomever makes fucking bullets. Yeah. See. Yeah, no. Dude, the, even if shit goes down, the infrastructure to make bullets will still exist. You you mark my fucking words. If I, well, the infrastructure to run down animals with 50 people will always exist as long as we're humans. I don't know about those bullets. How about this? I'll, I'll leave an open invitation for you as the 51st slot in case you change your mind. I guarantee you, even if shit goes down, people... Think about all those post-apocalyptic movies, for Christ's sake. Everyone's got goddamn rifles. Even the apes. The apes have, they don't have, they don't have any of the shit in Planet of the Apes that we have. They're, you know, they're advanced apes, but their shit still sucks ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Uh, but they still have rifles. <laughs> okay. We would, true, we would, we, there would be bullets. Yeah. If we do ass. all of our scenario planning based on movies and books currently existing on how to plan for a post-apocalypse, we're going to die. No, we'll just have lots of guns. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, well, no, you don't need you don't need yeah. guns to kill a chicken though. The chicken That's true. You, know, you breed them and you just chop those little assholes' heads off. Mm-hmm. It sounds gross, but I feel like I could get desensitized to that real quick. Oh, just because it tastes so good. Yeah. You gotta learn how to pluck the feathers. Ugh. Yeah, you don't want to eat the hair, it can have a lot of bad things in it. Hmm. Maybe they should have like a more of a back to basics Bond movie. Well, they do that every once in a while. That's like what Casino Royale was. That, that's not back to basics. He's a, a ten million dollar buy in on a, a, a on an that's island. That's the first book. The casino. Casino Royale is the first James Bond book. It is the most basic thing. Yeah, instead of some big laser in the sky that blasts everything, it's just a poker game. But that's true. I actually incidentally just watched that a few. Like last week, I don't know where I was or why. Uh, maybe it was with my grandparents. I can't remember, but I just saw it again. I think that's the best Bond picture, honestly. I used to love From Russia with Love. I still do love From Russia with Love. It's in some ways my favorite, but Casino Royale is like nails James Bond. The only thing it doesn't have is it's not in the classic era, but in terms of the quality of the movie, it's just as high as those originals. And it's got Felix in it too. Felix. Yeah, it's got a great Felix. I love Jeffrey mm-hmm. Wright. He's the and um, the girl, the Bond woman, Vesper Lind. So what do we expect? So we got Halloween coming up this year. What are you looking forward to? How do you see it going down? Oh, I just got the, I just got my Halloween candy. I got big, three big old bags of shit. I spent like $30 on Halloween candy. So you're going to, are you going to hand it out? Are you going to use a, a no, little, we'll little just poker? Use, we'll just use a, a you know, What's it called? You know, no contact pickup. I'll just stay inside and leave a bowl out and be sitting there and like wave at kids. I think I'll get like a Jason mask or something like that. But why, why not go in those little like holder things and then 
stick it out to them because well, the like, kids are fishing around with their hands in the like they're fucking rappers like they're Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> yes, I'm Hannibal Lecter. Don't pass anything through the bear. Yeah, no, I don't want to treat the children like a you know I'm a gas station attendant. Well, that's what Halloween is. I'm sorry. They come for fill up and you give them candy and then they leave. We have transactional. Amelia kept wanting to buy like fake shitty plastic skulls and I'm down for it. But everyone we saw was just like, it just looked shitty. It didn't look like a real skull. And then we finally found some that were like, you know, cheap little plastic things, but they look like they're trying to be a facsimile of a a skull. They're trying to actually look like a skull, not like, Ooh, spooky fake skull, like cute skull. Like, no, I want the idea to be that we killed people and we put the remains of their heads on the front of our fucking house. Come Kristen has the hands from like Cousin It. That's cool. Or not Cousin It, the thing. Like, I'm, I'm all about Halloween. I think we should have a spooky day. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I just think that we got we to... Gotta, it's this all this stuff that where you can be a Marvel character and all that, and all, that's ball bullshit. And what's crazy, <laughs> this is going to be the first time in our lifetime or ever where Halloween is an hour longer because daylight savings is the next day. So there'll be really? a wrinkle in time. Yeah. Nice. It's going to be the spookiest Halloween ever. Daylight savings sucks dick. It doesn't matter what it does or doesn't do. We're, falling, we're falling back though, right? That's the good one. Yeah, we add an hour, so Halloween is an hour longer. That's great. And that's Halloween gonna... was always my when I was just like a young slut. Like Halloween was always my favorite holiday mm-hmm. because yeah, my buddy Dave would always have like a Halloween party every year, you know, and he lived across the street from me. And so at first, it was just a bunch of dorky dudes watching uh, Evil Dead Two or whatever trying to figure out if it's <laughs> they were trying to make a serious movie or if it's supposed to be funny. Of, mm-hmm. course it's, of course it's supposed to be funny. And then as the years went on and we got, you know, cooler and cooler by the end, there was like chicks at the party. And so it was always wow. fun. And then through, and then through, so there's always like a little romantic drama going on for me in those later years at the, uh, the Dave's house parties. But, um, and then in college, you know, College towns go a little crazy on, on Halloween and, and University of California Santa Cruz is not as crazy as University of California Santa Barbara and their reputation of Halloween where they basically have to shut down access to the city during a certain point because so many people come in for this crazy Halloween in Santa Barbara. Hmm. Um, anyway... It's kind of like that in Santa Cruz, but not quite as crazy. But the whole Pacific, the whole main drag of the town, the whole main drag of the town is shut down and people just wander around in costumes and are just drunk and on acid or whatever. And um, (laughs) it was cool. And yeah, those were always great, fun, slutty evenings too. So I always loved... Halloween. And then, um, did you get your friend Dave's consent to be talking about this live on the internet? No, but Dave's been on the show. He's fine. Well, I'm going to reach out to Dave after this and just tell him what you did. And he's probably, <laughs> yeah, I'll let what, you deal with Dave. Dave. I would I mean, if I, if I'm saying if I were Dave, I would not want you talking about me like this. What? They, he, we were dorks and then we got chicks. 
and making me seem like a fictional character in your life. You're kind of like, you're like, oh, I had this friend, Dave. That doesn't sound real. You're making oh, me like seem when, like I'm not um, a real person. When Trump oh, would talk about Dave. Jim. Trump yeah, talk exactly. about his friend Jim. So your friend Dave, he's not going to be happy to hear this, but I'm going to reach out to him. I'm going to track him down. Hire, uh, hire private eye. Jim, my friend Jim. Great guy. He used to go to Paris every year. Jim, Jim. And I talked, I, was, I talked to him all the time. And I called up Jim and I said, Jim, are you going to Paris? And he said, you know, Donald, it's terrible. It's very terrible what's going on in Paris. And I don't go back there. Even Jim, the guy would go to Paris every year. And now because of the terrorism and all that and the Islam, he won't go to Paris. I th- I, didn't you say last time that he was actually living in Paris for a couple of years? How can he go every year if he's living there? Jim, Trump's yeah. friend. Yeah, seems like he's in a lot of places at once. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, what can you do? What can Man, you'd do? think with the state of the world and everything, we'd have a little more to talk about. What's going on with us? Yeah. I think well, we're just kind of in a wait. Like, let's see. Like, you know, do I go to Arizona in a couple of weeks, take to the streets? Part of an organized effort or what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, it's. I feel like a, everyone's being surprisingly chill considering how crazy everything is. Well, I think part of what it is, I think it's good. We have to build up reserves. We have to be calm uh, right now because we might well, there's, need to... there's Yeah, they said there's movement moments. You can't contest an election that hasn't happened. Right. So this is the calm before the storm. Everyone's like, oh, it's not going to be that bad. You're like, you have no idea because it hasn't happened yet. It's the day after. That's one. And right now what we should be doing is building up morale, resting, keeping our minds and our bodies focused so that if it is like a three-week push or a six-week push, we haven't been running our heads in circles beforehand. Do you mean push like a beer hall push or push like like English? I mean, mean it's going to be all of the above, man. Damn. So you're you're thinking there's going to be some like fucking guns of October thuggery. No, maybe not. I mean, maybe reading this person from the 2000, what I, maybe what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be in Arizona and driving people to a mobilized effort that don't have transportation. I mean, that's, it could be as simple as that. It doesn't mean like, yeah, I'm not saying like guns blazing, shooting bombs in the sky. I'm talking about mobilize. Yeah, mobilize. Mobilize and very directed. Like I could see at one point, like if this goes on for beyond the, election of the electors or the selection of the electors actually following those people around day in and day out to show that what they're doing matters to more and more people like very targeted it's not just taken to social media and like endorsing things and like trying to you know help the courts you know it's not going to be through i mean there's going to be a lot of talk like oh we have to do this the calm way through the courts and you're like no we're oh gonna but God. we are gonna need an army of fucking lawyers dude we are well, and they're standing by dude i think that people i'm still worried about this but i feel like uh there's at least a fighting chance to fight back against this kind of stuff because people are no there is but part of what i'm getting at no but part, part of what i'm getting at is in 2000 is that the focus on just the lawyer part is what undermined Obviously, we don't want to just focus on that. You're right. We need to actually take the streets. Yeah. And I, I'm saying, like, we're here in California, so we'd have to go to somewhere else. 
Yeah. And so what are we protesting here? I mean, well, so it could be that's what we don't know yet. It's it's either going to be police brutality in Los no, no, no. Angeles. It's so be, that's one first of the reasons it's why come we march down here. To, is it going to be that election or that ballots are not being counted? That they're being not transported? It could There's be all kinds of like shit that. that could fuck up while things are it still could, in doubt. Exactly. So then it would be either, and people are going to try it, to sow mayhem in those ensuing days. Obviously, right. And so it's like, is the counter protest? not just through legal measures, which will utterly fail. And then we just basically, the foregone conclusion. Dude, the movement is way more mobilized now than it was in 2000. You have to understand that. People were not politically uh, mobilized in the same way they are today as they were in 2000. The economy was kind of humming along. It was before the Tea Party. It was before um, the Occupy. It was before Black Lives Matter. There was not all of these, and now all of this proud boys bullshit, and, and Biden called them the poor boys, <laughs> which down on the corner, out in the street, we lay in the poor boys. Like, is that what he was he thinking of the Creedence song or whatever? But anyway, um, in 2000, people were chill. Like, there was no recession. There was uh, not really a public conversation about race. Uh, there was a bit about immigration, but but not too much. Most of the country's political stuff was focused on the president's dick. I mean, for real. For real. This was what the political conversation was. And yeah, there was obviously always protests and, you know what I mean, um, that kind of stuff. But now, now we have armies of people who are politically riled up and that was the beginning of it, dude. That was the beginning of, I mean, the hyper-partisanship had been going on forever, but that is when things, we became like sectarian uh, uh, um, sides of a conflict against each other in some sort of ideological civil war. You know? So things are a lot different in terms of people's, now people are immediately ready to just, they are, but what, what I'm saying is we partly also have to – I mean, we were teenagers in 2000, so I'm deferring to people who were on the – Yeah, but I was still protesting. No, but I'm saying I'm deferring to people who were on the ground then and were adults and are even older now. And it's part of it is it's not – I'm not saying that there, people aren't more mobilized, but it still has to be a strategic and concerted effort. If a whole bunch of people take to the streets in cities all around that aren't in the places – in whatever happened to be the states and locales where there's actually an issue, then the people on the ground there, they're like, yeah, those people over there. Are, but what about here? You need, it needs to be the directly affected people and mobilizing them. I was on the ground in San Francisco in 2000 because I was going to the protests there, uh, both right after the election, after the recount and during the recount. Um, and then I went as a counter protester to this tiny protest in my own hometown. Cause the big protest was all out in San Francisco. And, um, in terms of, it was like the people who were running the booths were, were like a couple of old hippie people, you know, selling buttons and there was some free Mumia folks or whatever, but there was no like movement, dude. There was like gasping of like the previous movement, but there was nothing, there was no, there was no there, there. It was just sort of. Um, an aging shell of what used to be the revolutionary movement in the United States. And then there was this little protest in my own hometown in front of the Target, and it was people 
you know, pro t- supporting Bush. And then me and my friends, I basically got a couple of my male friends, socialists, Jewish revolutionaries <laughs> showing up at this protest in front of a target to just yell at Republicans. I mean, it was amazing. Um, it was a lot of fun. But the, but the movement, it's so... So I was on the ground is what I'm saying, both in like a major market, as you could say, of protest, but also in a smaller sort of moderate suburban community, which is the now the big battleground across the United States. And being on the ground this year and seeing how fucking different is how many young people there are, it is a stark difference. And people, frankly, weren't mobilized and they weren't prepared in 2000. It was a constitutional blindsiding. And we didn't even have a chance to recover because within less than a year, our minds were numbed and our bodies shaken by the worst domestic terrorist attack we'd seen in our lifetime. It's a hell yeah, of a I lot mean, I'd like now. to, I mean, just as I read more accounts from people who were there and were older... In 2000, I don't buy it anymore that we are, we, I mean, there's a lot of we's, but that it was a blindsiding. It sounds like the DNC, whoever was working with Gore at the time, what approach they thought was right and did not defer to the people who were getting intel 24 hours a day on the ground saying, for instance, we have tens of thousands of old people that if we could get them to the courts, by just transporting them there, they will protest. And they said, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to give off that image. Yeah. And it's not like... They weren't like willing to said, play a dirty... Meanwhile, Roger Stone and his Brioni riot or whatever, these guys are tossing chairs while people are trying to count hanging chads or whatever. They were. It was just... There was street thuggery going on. Yeah, but so, it wasn't being met with anything of exactly. like... Not even like... And that... So it wasn't us being caught blindsided. It was that... Mm-hmm. The, and that's what we're seeing too. I mean, we saw it in starkly in 2016 and even this yes. year where they do not want. Yes. I mean, Bernie wasn't just whatever he stood for. What he also stood for was an insurgent candidate that wasn't part of the mm-hmm. establishment. Yes. And they do not want to be seen that way. So what I'm just afraid of is that they'll take this little pussy footing cowering way of let's just get our briefcases and go to court. But if the courts aren't meeting where they're being ignored or they're, it's not going to fucking matter and it's i'm also not saying but i'm also not thinking that by protesting will prevail history but at least it gives us a much better chance in this trying to do it through institutions where it takes uh respect of those institutions by the other side and if they don't give a fuck what they say then it doesn't matter partly and it also doesn't matter because they currently hold power Correct. So, and Bush at that time was not in office. No. So it's just going to be. But, you know, he's just not, uh, Al Gore is a man of uh, decent character and, and good intellectual strength, but he's not a commanding leader. He's just not, he's a, he's a competent, he's a competent bureaucrat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he was not ready for this. No, he's egomaniacal too. Look at the guy. If he was competent, he would have deferred to people and thought yeah. maybe someone else might know better than him. And it wasn't just him. It was all the other people with some other There was position. no it grassroots was not, ground game. That's the thing. No, there was. They just didn't defer to it. 
Yeah, I mean, I volunteered for the fucking Gore campaign. It was not grassroots. Was- oh, right, exactly. And that's <laughs> one of the criticisms in 16 in this year, too. It's I not really tried, supported. man. As a kid, I really tried. I wasn't allowed to vote, but I did everything I could. I fucking protested. Yeah. I fucking volunteered. I don't know. The first vote I ever cast was against Bush four years later, and we lost a fucking again. So, man, when yeah. Barry came, oh, to have the first person who seemed like more representative of your generation and other people and just a younger person who was just sort of speaking to our hearts in a way we hadn't heard in a long time, you know, I feel so naive, Ben. You know, I still love Barack, but the awe that I felt about him, <laughs> you know what I mean? When he first emerged on the scene. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, he was so beautiful to so many of us. I mean, just yeah. a beautiful man in so many ways. And, it, and we, we didn't really think about, well, what is Barack Obama's policy? I don't remember a single Which, fucking policy point from his whole campaign because it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, it was just him as a transformative figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a cult of personality both ways. Yeah, and maybe but the, the DNC po- saw him as an empty vessel they could fill, and they sure succeeded because they just did basically went along with the Wall Street military stuff anyway. Yep. He did have decisions over who he could have appointed, that he could have broken rank, but didn't yeah um it's these damn re-elections man i wish the i wish it was just one six-year term i think that would be that would be fine for the presidency but whatever constitution Mm, constitution if you actually if you actually just follow the will of the electorate like things will be fine it's just the problem is we don't have like really a democracy right now we have these like it's we 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 have a weird like kind of broken one like out in Los Angeles and California, you know, in general, we have all of these ballot measures and we have them at both the local level and the state level. And so we are contributing to the legislative legislative process in a very democratic way, but it doesn't necessarily always create uh, even results at all, let alone good results, right? Um, and then you got other places where, I mean, the amount of voter suppression is just incredible. Um, and the and, and then just uh, the infrastructure for voting has been so crippled in a lot of places um, that it, mm-hmm. well, it makes you realize that it ain't a democracy there. Those yeah. there's a lot and of then, folks who don't have the privilege to say like oh do am I am I four twenty one and against twenty two blah 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 we kind of take it for granted because honestly the voting system is pretty good here in California it's pretty easy to fucking vote I've never waited in line once to vote once and I voted every single local bullshit election too and then one other way I've, I've saw because you know it's hard you know there's a lot of ways to define these terms one person looked at well let's look at you know not just the elections but what policies get put into place or put into into place and they looked at thousands this is at the federal level thousands of bills Mm -hmm. and it was a tiny portion so they were saying that we basically have a plutocracy with the 0.1 percent wants if they want it it happens so there's a lot of overlap like a lot of times we think 
we're getting what we want, but it's because they want it too. Anything that they don't want, it was a rare occurrence in the thousands of bills they looked at that it passed. And they were usually mm. non-material mm. or very weak. And that would say to them that you don't have a government, like who's a government for? Is it for the demos or is it for the Plutos? And it's basically for the Plutos right now. Precisely. But at the local level, we do have a lot more demos. But our yes. federal is... Well, I think we need so. to stop. I think we need to define, we need to have simpler political definitions. You know, instead of talking about fascism, blah, 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 just talk about like autocracy or tyranny or more broad terms. Instead of saying, well, we need socialized this, socialism, socialism, socialism. Like just saying government. We'd like the government to be able to do things. We want yeah. the government to control everything. But the government no. be able to do things. When the people elect Barack Obama, okay, they elect him to do a lot of things. You know, one of them is put fucking people on benches to be justices and judges and all that fucking shit. But he couldn't because they wouldn't even, the op- opposition government wouldn't even bring him into the fucking committee. Wouldn't even talk to the guy. So, um, the federal government has been totally defanged. Mm-hmm. The people voted for this guy to do his job. He tries to do his job, and the opposition government goes, eh, no, until we find the guy that we want, we're not going to do this part of it. <laughs> yeah. Fucking believable. Unfucking believable, right? It's not mm-hmm. socialism, it's the power for the government to do things, take care of people. But we do look at the first two years, didn't he? It wasn't the Congress, it, the Democratic Party, both branches, both uh, houses. Yeah, and that's when they got Obamacare. But also, if you look at a lot of the bailout stuff, it was not what people were wanting. Of course. the Wall Street of approach. Of course. There was still, it was, a, it was a wimpy coalition, my friend. That's the thing. They had such a historic moment, you know? They had the... They had a historic moment. They weren't able to do anything. Yeah, but like AOC said, if it was any other country. More than the GOP. But the they is so broad. Like that's why AOC says if it was another country, we wouldn't even be in the same party. So the they was a specific section of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Which is why it's completely falling apart. Well, I mean, what's do we go to a coalition government? I mean, yeah, it is falling apart. And part of it is these Lincoln Project guys. You know, these types of dudes who are like are infiltrating the ranks of yeah. the Democratic Party. And we all know what that's going to mean. That means there's going to be a totally, the two part, the, there's going to be a totally insane QAnon racist Proud Boy Republican Party. And then just a Jeb Bush esque moderate uh, uh, plutocrat, <laughs> you know, uh, Democrat Party. Uh, and then all of the actual, you know, left-wing folks, where are we going to be? Fucked in some tiny little party and we'll have to form a coalition with the Democrats. And maybe that coalition would give us more power. Who knows? AOC's obviously thinking that. AOC's looking at other models of government, you know, more parliamentary models of government. She's looking at England, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and she sees that this isn't the only way that, that we can have a political discourse in our country. It's a binary decision. I mean, it's really ridiculous. And we just have to get the money out of politics. Okay? And it's not that hard. And the real problem, I think, actually, just start with one thing. Start with TV, okay? Each candidate, as long as they can get to it, you know, even, let's say, Jill Stein or Gary Johnson, each candidate, they're allocated, let's say, an hour of commercial time or, uh, uh, you know, X amount, X minutes of commercial time during prime time. And they each just run the ad. There's the Trump ad, there's the Clinton ad, there's the Jill Stein ad, and there's the Gary, whatever his name is, ad. That's it. That's that it. assumes people are going to play by the rules. There's also, I mean, one, I, mean I there's agree with the money. So another thing I also realize it's money in politics, but then it's also just how candidates or parties get on a ballot in the first place, which yeah. is an easier thing to fix and control because, you know, I could, you could do that ad spending thing, but there's all sorts of different ways around it to get money back yeah, we have in. to do all of these things at the same time. But we also, yeah. But then if we ever want like co- a parliament or things like that, we have to, well, we do that to reduce huge things. But if we just want the ability for multiple parties, it would be at the, I mean, but this is also state by state or, how parties get on ballots in the first place. Hmm. And without reforming that, it's incredibly difficult in the U.S. to have a formidable third party. Things just get subsumed to one of the other two, partly because of controlling of whose name gets onto a ballot and how that process looks. Yeah. Well, you know, I was talking to a, uh, a cab driver once who was listening to the Blaze media podcast or something or their serious xm you know the play is obviously the sort of right wing uh uh quote news unquote site you know kind of like a republican huffington post or something anywho this guy wasn't really a conservative guy. He was sort of like a moderate guy. And I was like, Hey, it's interesting. You're listening to this. Like I read the blaze sometimes, even though I don't agree with them, but I, have to sort of suck it up and listen to what it is their opinion is because you got to know what your enemies are saying about you in a way. And also you got to remind yourself that your enemies aren't your actual mortal enemies, just your antagonists, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy's theory was that he liked that there was a two party system because he didn't really agree with the extremists on either side. And he thought that, the um, binary nature held back the extremists in the country so that they could perhaps be part of a coalition but would never be in the lead. Yeah, no, I've, I've seen that the, in this, how our, our third parties, yeah, they steer, because each party has to incorporate views of other movements or parties otherwise they'll never form a base so it's not like we don't have third parties it's just can they have elected officials but then you know i think too often people use like the nazi germany as an example of why we don't want that but also our third parties like like are there's not any that are cool like you know 
I was in the women's equality party in New York. I was like, oh, this seems cool. This seems like we're trying to do something. Their candidate was Hillary Clinton, so I voted for Hillary Clinton. Hmm. You know. But yeah, that was in New York. I'm I'm registered back to Denver. I almost registered as a Republican just for the fuck of it this time, but I, I just couldn't do it. It was felt too gross. I thought yeah. it would be But funny. it would be cool if we had like a parliamentary system, especially given the diverse nature of people in this country. It obviously has Yeah, I mean it's true this book this guy says about extremism, but before extremism you just have diversity. So people might actually care a little bit more if they actually were represented by someone that wasn't always a lesser of two evils. Yeah. I mean, I really don't think that Biden is evil. I think Trump is evil. I don't really believe in the well, whatever. Evil, maybe that's but, a bad term, but someone that's like, you know, it's, it's the, he's not my always, ideal candidate, but I have to give him props, especially if he pulls this off, obviously, I think he's been running a pretty smart campaign. And I think that that is because there's a lot of smart people behind him because there's a huge brain drain that has occurred uh, politically in the last four years on the right. And it's a, it's weird because people, reasonable people can't serve in this current administration because it's impossible to do your job, really, because you just have to be a weird sycophant uh, or get fired or forced out. Mm-hmm. So totally. no one, no reasonable people who might be moderate willing to work with either side are willing to work with this this organization, this, uh, this administration. I can't really blame anybody, but it does fucking suck. So I will say that uh, uh, Mr. Biden, as the leader of the Democratic Party right now, has been pretty, doing a pretty good job of keeping a, a, a coalition together to work on this campaign. We'll see if they get out the vote and they win. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll judge him by that. But it's not real. I think the, the best thing about this is not really about Joe Biden. It's about getting this country back not even on track but off this track people are just exhausted just trusting what we call government because that exists all over the place both parties have this just almost innate distrust of whatever you want to call government and after biden i mean biden i see is kind of like maybe a jimmy carter type president he was a jimmy carter was a very transitional president and he took us from you know, the wounds of Watergate and was just kind of a decent, quiet guy. Like he wasn't a political guy. He was like the anti-Trump, you know, he was, a, Mm -hmm. you know, not really like a natural politician. That wasn't really his thing. He had to sort of come into this. Right. I mean, obviously he was a governor and all that, but that's different than a guy trying to run for national office and it healed the nation uh, some would say that it healed it a little too well because then we got this fucking dumbass cowboy actor moron who just fucked over poor people and especially people of color for a whole fucking generation. Sold out the country multiple times, but most specifically Iran-Contra, which was as egregious, if not more, because of its international implications, then Watergate and certainly Dick Suck Gate and mm-hmm. even even Russia Piss Gate, whatever the fuck this shit is. Yeah. So sometimes you just look so, at just like the odd coincidental timing. Like what yeah. if like Carter might have easily won a second term had the Iran Contra affair not started right before the election season? 
Oh, well, what no, if no, it no. had been well, you're talking about the uh, energy the, crisis. You're talking about the revolution. So yeah, the revolution. Yeah, the uh, Jimmy crisis. definitely got fucked by that, uh, and the and the energy crisis. Um, yeah, and there was back channel deals going on to let the hostages out after the election. There were other. Yeah, but interests. he was also able to scare people from this like economy perspective, the Republican Party. But what if that had happened one year later? Is what I'm saying, like right after the election. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We I mean, we never know, but it's like it's weird timing of things that are odd. Yep, it is. But also, they they were ready to release the hostages. They were ready to make a deal. But someone, I think, even it might have been someone connected to Kissinger, was working a back channel. I'm obsessed with back channels these days. I love it. Of course you are. Um, so anyway, where the fuck were we? I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> we were talking about, uh, oh yeah. So transitional president, he was a transitional president. Mm-hmm. The only problem is during that transition, the re- religious right was, was um, starting to be mined as a electoral asset that would change the politics of our country uh, to this day. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, there was a, a, there was a lot of money put behind getting religious people riled up against the fucking Democrats in that, that healing period. So it, Jimmy Carter is trying to heal the nation. Meanwhile, everyone who's not nice is ready to go after Jimmy Carter. <laughs> you know, you got the revolutionaries in Iran, you know, burning effigies of the American flag. You've got somebody, you've got people going and riling up um, uh, uh, unrest among religious people against the Democrats. And then um, you get Ronnie. Ronnie. Thousand points of light. No, wait, no. Thousand points of light, that was Bush. <laughs> Make America great again. Anyway, so he got fucked in a lot of ways um, because of things in the international scene, but also domestic, domestic moves by a right-wing interest. And it was obviously business-based. The people who put the money behind, you know, all of the anti-abortion movement, those weren't people who cared about the distinction between a fetus, you know, of one week or another, or even the lives of, of fetuses at all. They wanted to be able to elect business-friendly candidates and they could use this issue of abortion and other things. And then they started with the guns too, mm-hmm. to get these people to vote for these 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 candidates who will do things in the active disinterest disinterest of their electorate for ideological reasons, right? So mm-hmm. we were trying to heal, but the bad guys were still at it. Yeah. So who knows what will happen during this transitional period? 
I hope hopefully the whole generation of people is riled up and they see how bad things really can get. Um, but who knows? People might just lurch back to Trump in the past couple of days. So here's the thing. All of this polling, blah, 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 blah. I've been doing my own study throughout my life of re-elections, incumbent campaigns. And I found that in my lifetime, four out of five incumbents are re-elected to a second term. So basically, uh, Reagan, Clinton, uh, W. Bush, Obama, those four all won re-election, except H.W. Bush didn't. So four and five presidents in my lifetime running for re-election or re-elected. So I give Biden a one in five chance of pulling this out. Yeah, the way, the thing I'm most uh, afraid of right now is that it's not going to be a landslide. There will be states that could easily be contested. At least one. Biden and the DNC will stick to their hard-headedness and try the same strategy they tried in 2000, fail, mm-hmm. and we'll have a breakthrough. And what we'll never know but could be reasonably sure of is that had Bernie's camp gotten the ticket, it would have been the exact same election outcome, basically, plus or minus a little bit. But then the post-election, the interregum, would have seen a concerted effort by the DNC and the Bernie camp to get fully behind the mass movement and protests rather than... We'll see, man. We'll uh, I, of course we'll see. I, you're throwing out proclamations. I'm just saying this is what I'm I'm thinking about right now. Yeah, Obviously, I'm not calling. telling you. I'm, I can't read Oh, I'm future. telling you. No, I'm, I'm telling you then. <laughs> anyway, it's crazy that it's only in a few days. But I feel good that, I, we're, that we're calm because you have to stay calm and informed but ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think there, there will definitely be, it will be an interesting day. Oh, it'll be an interesting, interesting couple weeks. Rest of the year. Rest of the year. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We'll see. The hand has not been dealt yet. No. That's the interesting thing is, but a lot of the cards are already down. You know what I mean? Like people, 49 million people or something have already voted. It's up to 49? Wow. That's at least what 538 said this morning or said last night on their podcast. So almost 50 million? Yeah, dude. Wow. In uh, 2016, Hillary, what? She got like 63 million and Trump got 60 million. It was only 100, I thought it was 140. Was that the day of count or the total count by the end of the day? I don't fucking remember. I remember she won by like almost 3 million votes. She did, won by 3 million. <sighs> so, we'll probably reconvene uh, in November. I'm not going to talk to you before then. Oh, really? Well, fuck you. Well, I mean, you're too cool <laughs> for me. You got these sweet glasses, this long hair. My hair's not long. I just cut it the other day. Oh, you did? Not a beer. We're doing Christmas pictures tomorrow, so I've been riding my bike to stay slim. That's smart. Yeah, Christmas man, the bike's pictures great. in October? 
you know, holiday. Yeah, before oh, the, the candy. Before the candy. Before the candy, bro. And we, we get the pictures done, and then we eat like shit for the next, you know, rest of the year. Just kidding. That's great. Are we but still on the air? The, I guess. Jeez, I, I'm sorry about that, folks. It's cool. Is well, it though? Any any last thoughts? Uh, the last thought I shared with you was about 45 minutes ago. Since then, it's just been verbal diarrhea. But how about you? Oh, yeah, just vote. Do you, you vote by mail? What did you do? Uh, in all honesty, I let someone else fill out my ballot and mail it in for me. You committed voter fraud. Or they, they did. Yes. That's cool. I, uh, I dropped off mine in a drop box in front of the Michelle Obama community library here. All right. All right. Well, thanks for joining, folks. You have a nice Halloween and election season if we don't talk to you before then. Cheerio. And cheerio and Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Peace.